Welcome to the Life Unmasked podcast, where we talk about all things dating, relationship, and everyday life issues. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make a special announcement. If you are a single lady, this one is for you. Trying to find a meaningful relationship while dating in a hookup culture is exhausting. Even more so when everyone wants to hand out dating advice. It can feel incredibly overwhelming. Oftentimes what ends up getting missed in the process of all of this so-called advice is the relationship that we have with ourselves while we are in the journey of dating. No one ever talks about our belief system of what a relationship looks like and where it comes from or how the relationship we have with our bodies leads into the relationships that we often keep with other people. So I am excited to announce the first ever Dating Unmasked class. Dating Unmasked is an eight-week course created for women tailored to going deep into ourselves to bring freedom and healing, not just with relationships, but with ourselves. I am partnered up with an amazing lineup of guest teachers who are going to be joining in, who not just went through the process themselves, but have dedicated their lives to seeing other people have breakthrough and healing in the areas that they're going to be teaching about. I'm going to be joined by Lindsay Coyle from Coyle Coaching, Elena Taylor from Naturally by Elena Taylor, Rachel Hughes, who is my counselor from Rachel Hughes Counseling, and by a very special friend of mine. His name is Andrew Jesse. Registration for this class opens January 7th at 10 a.m. Mark your calendars. I would love to see every single one of you come and join this class. It will be worth it and it'll be the breakthrough that you have been needing. Welcome back to another episode of Life Unmasked. I'm so excited to be back with you guys. We are officially in 2022. I cannot believe that we are already in a whole new year. I hope that you guys had an amazing Christmas and New Year's with your family and your friends and loved ones. I literally spent the new year doing nothing. And by nothing, I literally mean I did nothing for New Year's Eve. I think I was in my pajamas by 6 p.m. I curled up in my big chair under my comfy blanket, drinking hot chocolate and watching trash reality TV. That is how I spent my New Year. I was even in bed before midnight, watched TikTok, missed the countdown to midnight and realized I was in the New Year at a quarter after midnight. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, hey, it is 12.15. Um, happy New Year to me. I'm now going to bed. <laughs> so that is how I brought in my New Year. Super uneventful. And you know what? 
it is all good. I have come to learn as I've gotten older, my old self, that I appreciate quiet nights in, doing nothing. And I think I enjoy that more than busy nights out. Now, don't get me wrong. I love going out with friends and getting something to eat. But I just, I am not an all-night party kind of girl like I used to. I'm in my 30s. I just, I don't have the capacity for that anymore. So I was very thankful that I just got to spend a quiet night at home doing absolutely nothing. Also, I think all of us, I think some of us might be hesitant coming into 2022 because of what the last couple of years have held for everyone as a whole. But I think all of us can say that we were happy to see 2021 leave. Ugh, it was the longest and shortest year all at the same time, if that makes any sense. I feel like it went really fast, but it felt really long. (laughs) And I think it was because 2021 just dealt out a whole bunch of crap for everyone. But coming into 2022... I know me personally, I don't do resolutions, but I do have things that I am adjusting for myself for the year. And one of that was I wanted to make sure that, especially if you if you listen to the last podcast episode that I did with my best friend, you'll you'll know that I wanted to leave toxic and unhealthy behind in twenty twenty one. And coming into the new year, I wanted to have a better sense of me and I wanted to make sure that I, I'm choosing to learn how to love in 2022. And so I did that. I made some really hard choices and I went through and I evaluated the relationships that I was keeping and I decided to leave some of those people behind and even though it was incredibly hard to do it was what I needed in my growth journey for and for what I what I just needed for my overall better better health I I realized that I was entertaining relationships with people who weren't actually benefiting me and even though I can sit here and I help people with their own relationships. I struggle. I'm not going to lie. I have a tendency to hold on to relationships that don't actually benefit me. That cause more harm than good. Because I love people so much. So having to make that choice and being like, you know what? I actually need to respect me by not hanging on to these people anymore. Uh it, it was a choice that I had to make. And while as difficult as it may have been, I can honestly say coming into 2022, I have a new sense of myself and a new sense of value for who I am and what I deserve. And so I have declared and I'm declaring over all of you as well that 2022 is the year that we learn how to love. We learn how to love and appreciate ourselves, whether that be you make changes in letting relationships go or 
you know, you decide to prioritize your health, whether that be physical or mental or all the above, we learn how to love other people, even though, you know, other people might might hurt us. We allow ourselves to love those around us more. And I even declare that 2022 is the year that we find love with someone else. That our bar for relationships will no longer be on the floor, but we have upped our standards and we are going to find people who love us the way that we deserve to be loved. So that is my declaration for all of us, including myself, for 2022. Also, before I get into today's episode, I wanted to let everyone know this is kind of exciting. <laughs> um, Life Unmasked has turned one. Actually, this episode is going up the day before it turns one. But that's not the point. We're going to celebrate today. I cannot believe that it has been a year since I started this podcast. And it has been so much fun and incredibly growing for me. When I came into January of 2021, I knew I wanted to do this podcast. I had a heart and a vision for it, but I had no idea what it was ultimately going to look like as a whole. And it has been so fun coming in week after week recording for you guys and bringing you guys episodes that I hope are not just, you know, great for you, but you're also learning and growing from them. Um, and I've grown as a person, you know, I, when I started this podcast, I, I didn't know if I would be any good at this. And truth be told, I still don't think I'm that good at it, but it is something that I love and I love being able to bring content for you guys. And I've grown in the fact that I used to think that I had to have everything, you know, magically prepared and had scripts and all these, all these things. And so that's what I did because I hate public speaking, believe it or not. Um, and as I have grown and gotten more confident within myself and understanding the content that I'm bringing you guys, I have been able to kind of let loose a bit and learn that it is okay for these episodes not to be completely perfect and for me not to have every word perfectly formed. And that's a huge growing thing for me. So I just wanted to thank all of you guys for being on this crazy journey with me over the last year. And I am so excited coming into the second year of what Life Unmasked is going to look like and everything that is in store for not just for me, but for Life Unmasked as a whole, for you guys, my listeners, and I'm just, I'm thrilled. So thank you. I couldn't be here today without you guys. You guys are the reason I'm able to do this podcast and thank you. I so appreciate every single one of you and I just love you all. Even if I don't know you personally by name or whatever, like I, I really do I love you guys. So just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Also, I wanted to give another little disclaimer before today. Um, cause today's episode is going to be a little bit intense. If you guys hear dogs in the background today, 
Um, I apologize. I am recording. Normally, I record and I try to record in my back room away from my <laughs> my dogs, but it is below zero today. It is actually with wind chill, negative uh, 17. And my dogs have been freaking out because they're cold and they want comfort because it's so cold. So if you hear dogs today, I apologize. Just wanted to give that little disclaimer. Also, disclaimer on today's episode, it is probably going to come with a little bit of trigger warnings. It's going to be a really intense topic. There is going to be some explicit detail um, in this episode today. So I wanted to give that a heads up before we dive in. So let's get to it. Today's episode um, is, as I said, is a really heavy topic, but it's one that I have a huge heart for. Um, I had been thinking about, because I wanted to start this new year off with a bane and I was writing through and coming up with episode content and ideas and I kept going back and forth between do I do this episode do I not but I ended up settling on doing this one because this has actually been a conversation that has been on topic for a bunch of people within uh, my group of friends and that is talking about porn. And porn, I think, is one of those topics where it's taboo, but it's not taboo. Where, um, you know, we all know it's out there. Church usually avoids it. Church usually avoids sex, the sex topic in general. But they avoid talking about pornography Because it's one of those things that I think people don't necessarily want to admit is out there and that it's a struggle. But it is. And the reason I wanted to talk about it today was for a number of reasons. I was having a conversation the other day with someone who, because I had posted something on my Instagram stories about... um you know, real men will give up, you know, all these things or they will do certain things. And one of them was uh, on that list was that they will stop watching porn. And one of my guy friends commented and it kind of, I I was kind of taken back and surprised by the response. Um, He was like, well, I don't understand why a man has to give up porn just because they're married. And this was coming from a guy who I've been, I've been in friendship with for years and we've had conversations about porn before and I didn't realize that it was something that he consumed. And so it brought up this conversation about pornography use and how it actually affects not just the person who is consuming porn, but also for people on the other side. Now, I will say this. My take on porn is going to look significantly different than someone else's because for me, 
my journey with porn all comes from the fact that I had been sex trafficked at the age of 14. Now, my trafficker, my boyfriend, my abuser, whatever you want to call him, he had a porn addiction. And he his porn addiction wasn't just... I'm going to call it vanilla porn because there's different degrees of pornography out there. His was more on the sadistic side. So his fell in line with more so with BDSM and the violent pornography that was out there. And I remember hearing him say at one point in time when being confronted with what he had done to me, you know, after beating me to the point that he did. I remember him saying that porn was how he learned what relationships looked like. And so I, when, I, when I heard that, I ended up feeling really sad for him because, you know, his mother could have cared less about him. His dad wasn't involved. And so he had no concept of what a healthy relationship looked like. So he, when he started watching porn, and of course, like porn, there's a progression that happens, you know, consuming just the tiniest bit of porn no longer becomes enough and you have to, you you start watching other things to get your needs satisfied. Hearing that and seeing what he ended up ultimately falling into with his porn consumption, that's why he was able to validate his beating of me and why he ended up trafficking me. And it all revolved around his porn addiction. Now, I don't know where he stands at today with that. I have no contact. I have a restraining order out on him at all times. So I don't know what his personal life looks like anymore. But 20 years ago, it was already an issue. Unfortunately, porn today has become a thing where it's so much easily more accessed for everyone, that no one is safe. You know, no one was safe even back then, right? But back in like the 70s and 80s and sometimes even into like the early 90s, the way that you found porn was through Playboy, through Hustler Magazine, through, you know, watching. You had to actually go and buy you know, it was a VHS or a DVD or whatever, you actually had to go out and get a video and a magazine where now you have the web. The internet provides all of that. And it's no longer even just on a computer screen. We now have it on our phones. So we can be laying in bed at night watching it and people are none the wiser. So now kids have access to pornography and in a way that wasn't necessarily available to them before. You know, they, they're still that sneaking around, but it's now a thing where they have so much more access to it. And unfortunately, you know, kids are consuming pornography at an even younger age than what we were even accustomed to or that we even knew, knew of. I wasn't familiar with porn until... I was a teenager. I was 14 
when I had experienced it for the first time, where kids today are as young as six and seven who are being acquainted with porn. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this topic up is because it's kind of been a hot topic, not even just within my friend group, but even within society. You know, we just got done watching the Josh Duggar and Ghislaine Maxwell trials and all of that stemmed from pornography use, right? You had Maxwell who helped solicit and find young girls for Jeffrey Epstein. And I'm sure at some point there was porn use there, right? There was sexual needs that weren't being met because there was a a sex addiction. You had Josh Duggar who ended up being charged with the consumption of finding CP on his computer. But I'm sure it didn't start there. I'm sure him watching porn, you know, was vanilla. It seemed like it was simple and it developed into something more. I don't think anybody, I could be wrong, but I don't think anybody starts with wanting and having the lust and need for children, right? I think that's something that just kind of happens and grows as you consume more pornography. And with that, you know, the amount of porn that's out there and, you know, the progression of porn that ends up happening. And when I say progression of porn, it's, you know, when you stumble upon porn or you decide to watch it, you know, it's like, you know, something innocent, right? Or you think it could be innocent. But then all of a sudden that innocence no longer is innocent and that simple little thing that you were watching is no longer simple and you have a need for watching more and more intense stuff. And it increasingly grows into stuff that becomes more violent and more sinister and increasingly more dark. You know, there's an array of different types of pornography out there. Everything from, you know self-pleasure to gay and lesbian there's incest and it goes dark into bestiality and all these things and just these increasingly really dark things that people probably don't think about when they first start consuming porn but their brain ultimately goes in a whole other direction because once you start consuming what you had started with no longer is enough. You you need stuff that's more darker to get your needs met. They even found that in a study that I had found. Um, and it came from uh, a study in 2018 where they took 1,500 young adults and they had them consume porn every single day for a month. And what they found was that there was a correlation between what they started off with. And so this whole thing was they had them watching porn every day for a month, but it was the same, the same style, the same type every single day. So they wanted to see if their needs and you know, what, what could get them going could sustain over that month. And what they found was that 
while some were able to still have the same find the same satisfaction in it, most had a lower sexual satisfaction with that type of porn that they had first originally started watching and that they needed something more in order to feel and be stimulated by the pornography that they were watching. And 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 that's that's reality and that's not just with them but it actually just shows you know if they're taking these 1500 young adults these young kids who are like late teens early 20s and they're consuming they're having them watch the same stuff every day just for 30 days can you imagine what that has to do for anybody outside of that study who's maybe older who's been co- consuming porn for a bit longer it's going to increasingly get, the, the porn that they want to consume increasingly gets more dark. And they have been finding that because of the type of porn that's out there and how brains function and work, that it is actually the cause of why there has been an increase in sexual violence over the past 10 years. That porn is connected to the reason why more and more people are being sexually abused and raped because there is this need that is being fueled by sex. You'll often hear me say that I believe that once we get a handle and porn is eliminated, that it will actually eliminate the need for human sex trafficking because you are eliminating a need. Now, with that hear me out on this. There's always going to be a need for something, right? We have a need for food. We have a need for water, air. And when it comes to our physical bodies, there we have physical needs as well. So even though I believe that we, once we get a handle and we can eliminate porn is going to eliminate the need for sex trafficking, there's probably going to be another thing that's going to pop up along the way. But Porn is one of those things that as a society, we have become so acceptable and so accepting of that people no longer see a problem in porn, watching porn itself. I mean, just turn on TV. It's essentially watching softcore porn on daytime, nighttime TV and in movies. You know, what was once considered, you know, you would only find in R-rated movies, you can now find in PG-13. And there's no longer this grid of what is healthy and what's not healthy for us to consume. One of the most played songs in 2021 was the song WAP. And I don't know about you, but when I remember hearing that song for the first time being like, what in the world? I'm like, it was such a dark and dirty song. And yet this is what our kids are being consumed with. And it was all over the radio and it was all over TikTok. And and people didn't seem to have a problem with it because there's been this explosive amount of sex culture that has happened and pornography has, I, I, I feel personally that porn has fueled 
the sex culture that it is today. Um, they also did another study where they, back in 2018, so everything that I'm, I'm reading, um, all the research that I found was from 2018, and all the studies were also conducted from a non-religious psychology group. Um, and I really felt like I needed to pull in some non-Christian statistics and into this because I wanted people to see, well, Christians, we, we have our own point of views, right? But I needed, I, I wanted to bring forth a whole other perspective of like, hey, this isn't just a Christian's point of view. It's actually a world point of view. And what they had found was in this other study, um, and this is kind of where some trigger points might come in at was, um, had everything to do with the female O when it came to mainstream pornography, because they're, they're finding that the younger and younger that kids are that are watching porn nowadays, they're no longer to realize that porn is supposed to be a fantasy they're now starting to blur the lines between fantasy and reality. So they wanted to look at the difference between the male and the female O in mainstream porn. And what they found that was sick, that porn is made up of 60% of women and 50% 40%, my bad, 40% of men, which of course, porn is always going to have more women for the simple fact that I porn was designed for men. Now, just because it was designed for men doesn't mean that women don't struggle because we do. And I'll get to that here in a bit. But there's always going to be more women when it comes to porn then there will be men. And out of that, 18% of women in these movies were shown having an O compared to the 70% of men who were having the O. And so what the study was trying to show was that because of the violent nature of a lot of the porn that's out there now and how aggressive it is, it might not seem like, oh, they're being beaten or whatever. It might not be BDSM and that whole dark world. But there is violence that comes with porn itself, you know, being forced with oral and stuff like that. So what they have found was that Seeing this in porn has now translated into how people are now performing and being intimate with their own partners in the outside normal world because they have blurred the lines between fantasy and reality, which leads to you know, the increase in violent sex because of what has been, 
is being shown in pornography, right? And when I had just said that women struggle too with porn, right? I think there's this whole concept of men are the only ones who struggle with watching porn and when it's not true. (laughs) Women also struggle. Now, with that, Men have a tendency to consume and struggle more with pornography, but women also consume. And if they're not watching videos, they're reading, right? We There's this whole demographic of female porn, and I didn't even realize it went as deep as what it did. There's actually porn sites that are dedicated just for women because there's you know, women have a tendency we need more of the romance and storyline, that kind of thing. Like there's a buildup where men just like to see the action. So women have a tendency, they want more of the romance and story that builds up in order, you know, to have pleasure, this whole thing. And so They have websites and porn strictly dedicated for women. And you can even find that on, you know, just a regular porn site. But they have, I just found this out, they actually have websites that are just for women, dedicated for women to porn. And it's it's really, it's crazy to me. But if women don't want to watch porn, they can read books right? We call it the female porn. It's there. Now listen, I am a sucker for a good, cute romance book. Always have been, probably always will be. But some women like to go a little bit more intense, right? Back in 2012, we saw the blow up of the Fifty Shades of Grey books. And They were so popular that they created movies around those books. The author even went on to not just because there was a need, or I shouldn't say a need, there was a want to having, um, you know, hearing it from someone else's point of view. So she came up with a whole other set from the other side. <laughs> so there's now six books in this this Fifty Shades series, and it was all because of how explosive the first set was. And what I don't know, I'm I'm sure most of you guys are familiar with the Fifty Shades series and everything from there. But if you're not, it pretty much glamorized BDSM and the dark world. It gave this this kink. Uh, they, something that is incredibly dark, incredibly dark in a world that I really don't encourage anybody If you have ever been through trauma, whether it be sexual abuse, rape, whatever it looks like, I will never, ever encourage anybody to go there because it has a tendency to trigger the things inside of you from being beaten. And because it's now introducing whips and there's even 
and the only reason why I know this is because I've had to do some research into this, but, um, you know, they have people chained to a cross and being beaten and whipped and you're, it's pretty much dehumanizing the person all in the, this realm of, they're saying that it gives the person ultimate control and, what I have found, because my ex, my trafficker, he was in to be DSM, was, it was about control for the person, but for the other, the recipient of being beaten. Some women, some men like that, and it's due to deep psychological issues, but it is one of those things that are, it's very incredibly triggering because you're allowing someone to beat you for their pleasure and they there is actually medically speaking there is a very fine line between pain and pleasure it actually is the same they're found right next to each other in the brain so it's very easy for people to connect pain and pleasure together because of how close they're they're literally touching those nerve endings are touching in the brain and so sometimes those wires get crossed and people now think that they need in order to feel pleasure they need to feel pain and it's it's one of those things that you have to be very careful with because once those ties get once it overlaps, once you can't, once those two become connected, it can never become undone. They actually scientifically shown and proved that once those two nerve endings overlap with each other, they cannot ever be undone. And so now, anytime you want to feel sexual pleasure, you also need to feel that pain in order to achieve pleasure. And that's a scary thing. That's an incredibly scary thing. And I I can even attest, I had a friend, um, I actually asked her if it was okay if I shared this story because I didn't want to put it out there uh, without her consent. And she, she said yes. I'm not going to give details. I'm not going to say names. You guys know me by now. But... um. She had read the Fifty Shades books and was intrigued. And and I will say, those books, those movies, whatever, they do intrigue a certain amount of curiosity, okay? So she read those books. She became really curious. I had to tell her. I was like, hey, look, you've been raped. And she had been. I was like, you have to be really careful because it could lead to a trigger it could actually be very detrimental to you and your mental health in a way that you didn't even think was possible. And so she was like, I'll be careful. But she didn't really believe me that it could trigger something in her. Well, the next day, the very next day, I was getting a phone call. She was telling me that she was on the way to the hospital. She was checking herself into um, in, into a mental hospital because she needed help because she decided to explore with her partner the night before and it ended up triggering her and it put her in a mental state that she wasn't able to get herself out of. She was on the brink of suicide because of 
it triggered something so deep inside of her that she could not get herself out of. And so she was. She sought help for a few months before she was able to come out and feel like she could somewhat function again. And so that's the reality is we have... There's porn in so many different ways. And we have access to so much of it that when we're consuming, we don't realize the depths of the consumption. I remember there was an episode of Sex in the City. Yes, I used to watch Sex in the City. It was in my BC days before I was fully living for the Lord. And so I watched Sex and the City, and there was an episode that I will never forget. This actually stuck with me. Was Charlotte, sweet Charlotte, had gotten married. And leading up to the marriage, there was no problems with her and her, her husband, you know, with being intimate. But the moment they got married, something in him changed. And I don't know... Thinking about it now, I don't know if it was because it was slightly taboo that they were having sex before marriage or what it was. But once they got married, something within him changed and he was no longer able to fully perform and be intimate with his wife. And Charlotte didn't understand why. At first, she thought it was her and something that she was doing. And one night, she woke up and realized that her husband wasn't in the bed she saw that their bathroom light was on and she and she was hearing noises so she went over to the bathroom she opens the door and finds that he is watching porn and that's when she realized that he needed to watch porn and able to be able to feel satisfied to have pleasure And Charlotte, after that, she tried so hard to, um, you know, to change and do all these things, but nothing was working because he was so deep in his porn addiction that nothing that she did was going to make him not be addicted. Does that make sense? So... I remember watching that episode and being like, oh my gosh, like I, and even though like I had been through my own experience with my ex, I didn't realize even in marriage, it can cause pain and it can actually hurt and divorce can happen due to the fact that porn is a factor. This is going to lead me to another study that I found. Um, back in 2018, of course, there's a study that was done that took married couples that spanned from 2006 to 2014. They surveyed 2,120 married adults, and they found that overall, the chance of divorce doubled for both men and women who started using porn after getting married. Across the whole sample, the divorce rate was 6% for non-porn users and 11% for porn users. The rates of divorce with porn use were higher for women 
who started using porn. It nearly tripled from 6 to 16%, whereas for men, porn use was associated with an increase from 5 to 10% in divorce rates. Stopping porn use was then also associated with a reduced risk of divorce only for women. So for women who stopped using porn, the divorce rate was 6% compared to 18% for women who continued to report porn use for the duration of that study. And they also found that the association between pornography use and divorce was much higher for younger people. Half of the 20-year-olds who began using porn after marriage ended up divorced versus 6% who did not start using porn. Then they found that it was 28 divorce happened for 28% of 30-year-olds, 12% of 40-year-olds, and by the age of 50, beginning pornography use did not significantly affect the divorce rate. I don't know about you, but even hearing those like a little bit of statistics, I'm like, it's insane to me that people would even want to incorporate and start using porn after they get married. But here's the thing. People, our culture has become so unaware and so accepting of porn use as a whole that they do not necessarily always see a problem with incorporating porn use into their relationships. It is not uncommon for men and women who end up in relationships, not only, and I'm talking about like, I'm thinking about this in a, in a non-Christian world, right? Because Christian perspective is, is that you would hope that they're not consuming while it still happens. And believe it or not, it's actually pretty high within the church culture as well. But having sex before marriage, Christian-wise, I would hope that that, you know, we're we're navigating that as a whole. It doesn't happen, but I'm, I, my hope is that we're navigating it, right? So I'm thinking from a non-Christian perspective here. I'm, I'm going back to my BC days. People are so accustomed to introducing porn and bringing it into the relationship and not just watching it together, but watching it individually that they don't even think about the fact that when they are now entering into the the sexual act with their partner, what the reasons are behind it. So what I mean by that is, is that a lot of times an individual will be watching porn and they will be so stimulated that they will end up going to their partner and having intercourse with them because they were stimulated from watching porn. But that is a very fine line of it's actually, when you want to look at it in a bigger picture, it's actually infidelity because now you are no longer being turned on by your partner. You're being turned on by the images that you were seeing of someone else and you are just acting on the images that were stimulating you with your partner. So oftentimes a lot of people can see that as cheating. And I'm right there with them. I don't think I could handle knowing that my partner, my future husband, had whoever he is, if he decided to watch porn and then he was so turned on, he decided to have sex with me, 
that would devastate me to know that I wasn't the reason behind that act in that moment. But culture doesn't see a problem with that. Culture says, well, we can watch it together and let's recreate. Or we can watch it together and be turned on and X, Y, Z. It's even gotten to the point where some people are no longer even just being satisfied with their partner as a whole after they have consumed all of that, that it is now a thing where um, they are wanting to incorporate a third. And I unfortunately have had several conversations with people about that very thing because they're no longer getting their needs met because their porn consumption has increased and they are no longer stimulated by just their partner as a whole. I think the other thing too before I I wrap up this episode is that porn comes from a place, porn consumption I should say, It comes from a place of lacking intimacy, right? There's a reason that we do all the things that we do. And when working with people who have struggled with porn in the past, I have them look at, I ask them, you know, we have this acronym HALT, which stands for hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. And I ask them, I'm like, okay, so what do you do when you're hungry? How you know, what do you do? How do you act? You know, same with angry, lonely, tired. And what I, what I ended up finding was that a lot of times when people are feeling lonely and they're lacking intimacy, they gravitate towards picking up their phone, typing in whatever type of pornography website they want to, And having that moment because they are lacking intimacy, they're feeling lonely. And so for a moment, they want to combat that loneliness with self-pleasure. And sure, it fills a need for a moment. But the moment that that's done, what ends up happening is they end up feeling even more lonely than they did before that moment. And now it also brought in this extra amount of shame. I think no matter where you stand on the spectrum of porn and sex, there's always shame attached. I mean, nowadays in sex culture, we're hearing, oh, it doesn't matter your body count, sleep with how many people you want to, it doesn't matter, you do you, there's no shame. And even though they're saying that there's no shame, I'm pretty sure that after they get done doing it, there's a little bit of shame attached because they're having sex with people to get a temporary need met. And that's what pornography is. Pornography is being used as a way to have a temporary need met. It's not a sustaining thing, but it's coming from a place of lacking intimacy. It's lacking intimacy. And they're lacking intimacy, whether it be with, you know, their partner, you know, maybe they're having marital problems or I often say it's because we're lacking intimacy with the Father. We're lacking intimacy with God. But even as a non-Christian, they're still lacking intimacy with God, but they don't realize that they're lacking intimacy with Him. And so all of that to say is that 
I think we need to start really recognizing where we're at personally. You know, I have to, you know, I watch certain movies and I end up watching and I'm like, oh, and then I feel incredibly lonely after because in a moment it's meeting a need, but it's not exactly what I need. Does that make sense? So I'm trying to get a need met by fulfilling something that ultimately is going to do more detriment than it is good. And so I wanted to have this conversation. I wanted to make this episode today because we are now in 2022 and we're seeing the decline of being able to have control over what our kids are consuming. Even in schools, they're wanting to incorporate you know, bringing softcore porn into sex education and kids, parents are no longer able to allow their kids to be exempt from sex ed like they used to. And so kids are being taught sex from a worldly perspective that could be causing more damage and pain than there is good. And so... I'm not sure where to land on this, but it is something that I think that needs to become more of a conversation, you know, especially knowing how the increase of sexual violence has, has been, it's been escalating over the last 10 years because of the porn consumption. You know, when you look at, you know, Pornhub did a study, which um, Pornhub is having their own issues right now and will hopefully be getting shut down soon. But they did a study at towards the end of December of 2021 to, um, you know, of what the, the most watched, like, searched porn was for each state. And you were, as I was, like, looking through all these things, it's like, a few years ago, the number one thing that was happening across multiple states, it was actually 70% of the U.S. was consuming incest porn. While there was 10% that was consuming bestiality and another was, I can't remember the exact amount, was consuming rape. This is reality. And that was a couple years ago. And those have only increased. The amount of rape porn that has been consumed in 2021 alone tripled what it was even the year prior. So there is an increase of violent porn that is happening within people whose brains are still developing, who no longer can recognize and defeat you know, make the assumptions or, you know, be able to recognize the fantasy versus reality. For them, it's all blurring together now. And I think these are conversations that we need to start having as a whole, talking about the negative side effects of porn and how porn is one of the leading causes for human trafficking. How porn actually, a lot of times, Unfortunately, when you're watching homemade porn, it is from people who have been trafficked. And so they are 
having sex with these people and being filmed and it being put out for the public when they were trafficked and they didn't want to be there. And yeah, we're consuming. We're putting money in the hands of these traffickers to fuel what they do and we're giving them the okay and the green light for them to be able to do what they're doing by us continuing to watch porn as a society we're allowing you know filmmakers to be able to completely break down and humiliate and violate women with how they are you know, if there's, um, if you don't follow Benji Nolo and Exodus Cry, I highly encourage you to do that. He actually put out a documentary um, a couple months ago where they went behind the scenes of the porn industry and you get to see just how violent these film directors are towards women and they go, they make them go do it again and again and again until eventually they break down. And that's what we're consuming. And that's what we're giving the green light to. And at some point, we need to be able to recognize, hey, this isn't healthy. It's not healthy for anyone involved. So I know that this was a really heavy topic today. And there was some triggers there. But I hope that this kind of shed a little bit more light and brought some awareness, maybe even to yourself, maybe to the people around you about just how problematic sex is today, how porn is today. As I wrap this episode up, again, I just want to thank you all for making this year of being able to record for you guys and bring you guys content. I'm so excited for this next coming year. We have so many great things planned. Again, I apologize if you heard my dogs in the background shaking and walking and whining and all the things. Um, But I love you guys. And if you don't already follow me on social media, do so. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. If you like today's podcast, make sure to share it with friends, family, and whoever you feel needs to hear it. Also, make sure to follow the Life Unmasked podcast as well as my own account on Instagram. I try to post new content almost daily, and I also do Instagram Lives where I bring on guests to talk about different topics. You can find us at Life underscore unmasked underscore podcast and at Kimmy Sue 1987. I love to hear from my listeners. So if you'd like, make sure to send me a DM until next time.